Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul? Shine. I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. All Things in the Name of Love, Episode 13, Awakening Your Soul Through Singing with Megan Moreau. Today we're talking with Megan Moreau, who is the divine author, singer, composer of the theme of All Things in the Name of Love. (laughs) And she is also a voice witch and soul finder, seeker of truth, singer, writer, mentor, an intuitive healer. She helps unleash your soul voice and guides people to their highest potential and deepest truths. She's here on the planet to shine a light in the shadows and lead people to the healing they need to set their voice free. Megan, it is such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure, Erica. It's it's an honor to be here. I'm so excited. Thank you. (laughs) So I have known you, what, about eight years now, I think? Oh, my gosh. I've never thought about it. (laughs) I haven't thought about it either. We met at a a class with Pat Fraley, who's a voiceover up in Seattle several years ago. And Mm -hmm. we were in completely different spaces then. And we both had pretty incredible spiritual awakenings in the past few years. And Megan, I want to talk to you a little bit about your journey. Like when you started this, as I recall, you were having trouble at your job and you were also being um, like a coach with a supplement. Yeah, health and fitness. Yeah. Yeah. And then something snapped. So tell me about that journey a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been on a spiritual journey for quite some time, kind of since I was 17. is when I really had like this crazy, I don't know, awakening, I guess, in the form of like, in a religious aspect, because I grew up in church with God and what I conceived God to be at the time. And then, um, yeah, I was in restaurants for a long time. So I was a bartender, waitress first, bartender. And uh Basically, I've, I mean, the spiritual journey kind of changed when I read one of Wayne Dyer's books. That was years ago. <laughs> I think I was like 21 or something like that, uh, 22. And what happened was I started to really feel first that I wanted to help people. So I, at the time, had a really horrible relationship with my own body and thought I was, you know, overweight when I really, I mean, what does that even mean? And I uh, started you know, working out a lot. And I did feel better for a while, of course, started exercising and that was never something I stuck with. So I was really proud of myself. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'll help people do this. I'll help people, you know, be healthier. And that was a really important part of my journey. Although I've like grown beyond that now, I 
realized by helping people work, you know, exercise more and kind of pay attention to their food and everything that there was something going on that was way deeper than just like, I need to exercise and eat better. It was like a, I started to realize in my own words, it was a soul problem more than it was like a body problem, a physical problem. So from there, it started to sit uncomfortable. I started to feel uncomfortable with just focusing solely on, you know, physical health and fitness. When what I really started to kind of see like energetically and feel was people's stuckness in their, you know, limiting beliefs and their disconnect with their body in a way that I didn't quite understand at first because I'm a singer. So I've been using my voice and singing since I was nine, really. Mm -hmm. So the idea that people were like, you know, not as connected to their own body in the way that I was didn't really, I didn't ever really thought about it until I started helping people with their health and fitness journeys. And I felt compelled all of a sudden. Well, really, it just didn't feel like it was enough anymore doing the health and fitness thing. So I... I kind of slowed down on that and that was hard because I, you know, I always considered myself like not a quitter. So I thought I had to wrestle with that for a while. Like, am I quitting? You know, did I fail at this? But really what it was is I was being called beyond that to, to help people get healthy, like in their soul, you know? Mm. So I, um, first I, I avoided changing my life by leaving restaurants, even though I knew in my bones that I needed to. And so what the universe in its, you know, hilarious way decided to do was I was kind of led into this situation that was super sticky and crunchy and gross. And I had to leave like all of a sudden without any backup plan whatsoever. Wow. Yeah. So scary, right? Especially in your twenties, you're just like, oh my God, the world is ending and you know, I'm not going to make it. And, um, I sat because I had read a few books at this point, both in personal development and spiritual development, I felt like. I had enough of that kind of wisdom to just sit with it for a second before I totally lost my mind. Because in my young 20s, I would have totally lost my mind. <laughs> um, I kind of sat with it and I said, okay, universe, like, show me what you got. I'm, I'm lost. I, what, what am I supposed to do now? Because I knew in my bones, and at this point, I'd gotten pretty good at listening to that little voice in myself that I call the soul voice, that I was done with restaurants. And I was 28 or something, 29-ish. And um, that was terrifying because that's what I knew for 13 years and how I paid the bills. So, you know, a day later, I got a message from someone I hadn't talked to in eight years out of the blue saying that his wife had seen me post about losing my job on Facebook. And he asked me, hey, can you work for this guy that I work for and teach voice lessons? And I didn't have, I'm not a pedagogy. So of course the immediate, like, I'm not good enough just like came up because I'm like, who am I to teach voice? I'm not, I didn't go to school for that. I actually left school before I got a degree and that's a whole other <laughs> whole other story but um i i said sure cuz i learned you know to say yes to opportunities so i went to check it out and that was the beginning of me teaching voice lessons in a mostly technical capacity turned into my s- abilities to see where people's voices get stuck in their body and how that correlates with their trauma or their pain or whatever their stuck beliefs and stories about like who they are were connected somehow. And I thought, you know, there's something here. I don't know what this is, but I feel like I need to figure it out. And so, I mean, it just, it's been 
a journey since to like huge awakenings, huge expansion. And here I am now calling myself the voice witch. <laughs> I love that's like such an empowering thing for you to do because the term witch is so laden mm-hmm. with this heavy history. Yep. And, and it's a, a lot of people don't like the W word, you know, they, it freaks them out. And I kind of feel like I'm kind of vetting through like who's ready to work with me and who's not. If that word upsets you, then we're probably not meant to be yeah. <laughs> at this point, at this time. It was actually given to me, that nickname kind of came up from a, a, one of the kids that I have taught for a couple of years and take care of sometimes. Her mom called me the voice switch and I was like, oh man, that's so awesome. I'm using that. So it's <laughs> I owe her for that name. <laughs> so... Because this is such a charged word, describe to me what witch means to you so it can offer a bigger expansion to others. Well, when I first started kind of using this vocabulary, I owe my mentor, one of my mentors for that because she um, uses that word unapologetically and I loved that about her. And what she decided to do, and I, I believe she coined this, it might be something that she got inspired from something else, I'm not positive, but she used it as an acronym for a woman in total conjuring of herself. And yeah, I just thought that was so powerful. And I was like, that is what that means. And I started to look, of course, more deeply into like the witch stories and the history of it and remembering like how it was just briefly touched on as if it were a fairy tale in history classes in school when you're younger and when you're a kid and how that was upsetting because like this isn't like oh that silly time that humans lost their minds and thought witches were real like they do in the movies for halloween it's like no these were women who were working with the earth and using herbs as medicine and who were trusting their intuition and gathering together and you know for lack of a better word the patriarchy found that incredibly threatening to the at the time they're rising in power and trying to take over and manipulate humans and all that stuff and i'm simplifying it greatly but that's essentially like to me what that meant was like i'm taking that word back cuz it's mine you know by right as a female so and as a woman who very much feels connected to the planet earth and who uses her medicine every day to help herself and, and help others it's a really, really important thing, I think, to recognize how not okay it is to make that word into something evil or dark or whatever. As if, I mean, even if it is partly dark, darkness isn't something to be afraid of. Anyway, that's a whole other story too. <laughs> well, what are some of the things that help you claim being a witch? Like, what are some of your practices? Connecting with nature, number one. Whether I meditate and take myself mentally somewhere beautiful in my mind, or whether I literally go outside and touch my bare feet to the grass. So definitely being connected with nature, paying attention to the birds and the bugs and taking care of them and not, you know, I've I've been really careful since I started reclaiming that word. And even before that, to honor all life as much as possible. Now I'm not fully, you know, my diet is still in the works in that way, but when it comes to bugs and things like that, that I, I just found it, you know, whereas before, you know, you just don't even think twice before like killing something or being afraid of it. I started really looking at it as another being with me on this journey and I may not want them like on me or in my house, but I don't, you know, just rush to the chance to, to just, you know, squash it or anything. I honor 
life as much as possible. I bless my food. I thank it before I eat it, you know, like, so I'm still eating some meat. I really try and honor it as much as possible and got, of course, get things as clean as possible, you know, organic and all that stuff, really pay attention to where I get my food. It's, I've eliminated a lot of things from my diet. It's one thing at a time. And that's also another story, but I just really nature and connecting to it, respecting it and understanding my role and my connection to it and my role as a person in the whole sphere that we live on, right? With all the other living beings. And I also empower women to also get more comfortable with their power and to connect with nature and the earth and to trust their intuition. So, you know, I do things by gathering with women, by working with sound healing, by, you know, um, talking and sharing my story, talking on social media and inspiring others, hopefully empowering them to take their power back and all that. I would have been killed for that just a couple hundred years ago. So yeah, I know. I I feel that when I started this podcast, I was terrified because I thought I was going to be killed. Mm -hmm. That's not logical. It's not anything that's in this this paradigm, mm-hmm. but it's an old memory. Uh, one of the weirdest things that I've had in my journey, weird in terms of my mind wrapping its head around it, is recognizing that my soul isn't exclusive to this lifetime. Yep. And the whole understanding that I pick up vibrations from my ancestors too. Yeah, of course. And that's just, whoa, wait a minute, you know, because we, we're led to believe that we're three-dimensional beings. Mm-hmm. And then especially in the last hundred years, we've been taught that we are separate from everything around us. Yep. For, for me, it's gotten to the point where I have TerraCycle boxes. I have three because I can't stand hurting dolphins with my plastic. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing a shirt from a company called Ten Tree, which plants 10 trees for everything I buy. Nice. And it's getting to the point where it's like, I don't want to buy something unless I know the impact is going to be minimal on the planet. Right. The bees in my garden, I manage a garden and I talk to the bees. I hug a cedar that, that grounds the, the, the place. I have ceremonies up there because I feel like I have to. It's not, it's not even like a, oh, that would be nice. It's a, I'm compelled to. And I feel that that's a shift that women especially are picking up on right now. Yeah, because we're coming back to that part of ourselves. It's, it's awakening in all of us, some more than others at this time, but it's happening. And I think one of the things you and I bonded over like a while ago, just like it up-leveled our friendship was when we both were like, I like to touch trees and, and, and hug them and stuff. And you were like, oh my God, I do that too. And so I was like, okay, Eric and I are on the same page. Um, and I love that so much. Yeah. I mean, it's a really, and you know, unfortunately, like there's a lot going on in the spiritual coaching world that's really yucky and still like immature masculine in that it's really like predatory. And that's something that my mentor has really, really helped me to see and witness like, and just to be mindful of myself as I go about like trying to help people and put myself out there on social media and everything. And the work that I do is not to be like, first of all, bringing people into their like yuckiest place so that they feel like they need to work with me, but also that like, 
you know, that word, which, and other words and other things being used as like, just a way to get people's attention or just to like, as a style more than like a, a lifestyle uh, or like a belief or anything like that. And so everyone is on their own journey and there's no judgment on my part, but I do notice that there is like some stigma with that word, not only because of like history, but also because of like people are using it as like a, you know, a trend versus something that I have great reverence for and respect for. So it's not something I use just to like be kitschy and like I'm the voice switch or whatever. I feel that that name was given to me in that moment that my, my student's mom said that. And I, it just like woke some fiber in me that was like, that that's me, that's you. And um, so I use that because I, I hope to shake people up. I hope to make them a little uncomfortable so that they start to get curious about why that makes them uncomfortable and start to ask themselves questions and get curious because curiosity is one of our biggest tools to get us where we need to go, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I've learned, I'm innately curious and in my own journey, because I've tuned into my intuition, I can feel when I have a limiting belief. And the one I came up with while I was swimming last night, I get to swim in and I have the honor of swimming in a saltwater pool. And that is, it, it creates this amazing healing environment for me. And it also brings up stuff in my subconscious that, or unconscious, that needs to be healed. So I'm swimming happily last night, do, 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 do. And all of a sudden I get this energetic feel and I can't describe it any other way. It's like I feel the weight of something that isn't who I really am hit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just sit within me. And it's, it's still there because I couldn't clear it all out of I will never be good enough. Now, by what standard? Yeah. As compared with whom? Now that's my logical conscious self saying that, right? Right. And so it's, I know consciously that that's a lie. And I'm using this as an example to show why it's so important to get curious with yourself. So I have to sit with myself and figure out where it is in my body Mm -hmm. and let myself feel the emotions. I'm so glad you said that. It's so important. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Feeling I I became like I in this whole journey, I feel like I need to add it to my list of like what I call myself, but I'm like an emotions coach, I feel like, because when I started teaching voice lessons, I started to like trigger people without trying, but getting them to really be in their body or getting them to really let their voice out unapologetically and to make noise and whatever, to let themselves sound beautiful and to feel yummy when they do it. It just like triggered so many people, different ages, different genders. Like it was, I, and I remember thinking like, what is, what is happening right now? Like, why is this so hard for people? Cause I've always been uh, pretty like expressive and uh, emotive. And like, I always was told that was too much. Of course, that's like so many women's stories. Like you're too much. You need to settle down, like calm down. You're so extra, whatever. And so I've had to bust through that crap. But you grew up in a musical family, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But all my family sings well and my dad plays guitar really, really well. And I, I mean, he picks up an instrument and can just kind of fiddle with it and play it. It's amazing. That's um, and my mom sounds like Karen Carpenter. Oh, <laughs> she's love like, it. Yeah. She's got the greatest voice. So yeah, the really musical, very vocal French Belgian family. Like we don't hold back. Right. So 
yeah, it's, it's been, it's, it's wild for sure. Our dinners are ex really extra. But when I started teaching voice, I started to, or coaching voice rather, I started to see like, why is this so hard? Why is this like a problem? And um, so I, you know, in my journey with this, I've kind of realized like, like people are terrified of, first of all, being heard, being seen. And they are like, so not comfortable with or understand how to like really feel an emotion because that we've been taught whether it's like directly or indirectly like trained and conditioned to believe that emotions are not okay mostly anger pain shame like hate like hate can be even transferred and transmuted alchemized into something better and useful and what we have learned in our culture especially is that it's not okay and not safe to feel these things that um, they immediately need to be turned off. And what that does is that it doesn't get rid of the feeling. It gets it stuck somewhere in your body and it affects a lot of things, physical things, you know, your emotional, spiritual well-being, your health in like so many ways. And also your voice, like being able to really let it out. There's like these walls that get built up. I can only describe it since I, when I hear someone saying, I can kind of, I see, when I say I see, I can like, in my mind, in my third eye, see where we're like carrying our pain and where our voices are getting stuck. And so it's been really helpful in helping people kind of release that stuff. Cause I basically, it's like therapy almost. I'm not a therapist and I always tell people that, but I feel like one sometimes, but that emotions, you know, are like not okay or bad. They are, they are imperative to discovering who you really are, to expansion to like ascension it's imperative to feel your feelings and what we've been conditioned to believe is that we are at the mercy of our feelings that we are able to be attacked by them and that's just not true they are i always say that they're visitors so they're there to teach us something they're there to be felt and witnessed it's like i tell people to imagine you have like this inner toddler that is just like having a fit and what do you ignore the toddler? Like sometimes they just need to be like, let them, but you let them have their fit is the thing. Right. 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 And so when it's in your own body, you may like ignoring it by pretending it's not there is not going to help. It's not going to fix it. It's not going to make it go away. So what it needs is just to be felt. And what's funny about that is that feelings need like, you know, a full 90 seconds to be felt fully. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's science backing that up now. And it's like, 90 seconds of your life where you just feel that yuck for a minute, that crunchy, whatever. And then what? Then you can feel the relief after and get curious about it and look into it ideally. And, you know, it really hurts me. Like it physically hurts me that we are in this mindset, you know, collectively that like anger and sadness and stuff are something to be avoided. It's like, no, this is part of the human experience. We, it's here for a reason. To guide us, you know. Hear that for a reason, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's it's just like part of you know unleashing your true voice and finding out who you really are, which what that really means. Like your voice is your real voice is the audible representation of yourself, like your capital S self. It is imperative to learn how to navigate the feeling nature, which is like what I'm all about now. It's just funny how that's, a, that's like where I've come on this journey. I like had no idea that I'd be here talking about feelings, but I love it because it's given yeah. me permission to feel my feelings and to be my full self. I didn't realize like something I realized recently was that, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate, 
even on this journey and being as aware as I am now, which is super awesome. There's always more to learn and there's always more to grow, like more room to grow. I realized when I was having a one-on-one with my mentor that I like, she called me out, you know, called me out or called me in as she says, by saying like, it looked like I was bored and like, I'd rather be anywhere else but there. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, I am like, what? And I kind of freaked out for a second because I was actually really nervous about my one-on-one and like, I was really excited about it. And I quickly have learned to not project my my stuff on someone else and not to get, you know, take it personally. I quickly just like went in for a second into my body. Like what is, how, what is she seeing? Like what is happening? Because at this point I trust this, this woman like me, like so much. And so if she's saying that I look bored and like, I'd rather be anywhere else, then that's happening. So I went in for like a few seconds and like, I, I very quickly realized that I do this thing where when I start to feel excited. And when I start to feel that really bubble up of energy, which is usually excitement or like anxiety kind of very closely related to excitement, I like mute. Wow. Yeah. And I like, I like put on this, like, I put the screen on to like, I don't know, buffer people from my... Because you're too big. Because I'm my castle. Yeah. Because I'm intense. Wow. And I had no idea that I still did that, even on this journey, even while helping people feel their feelings and all that stuff. I was still, it was just like physiologically, like a reaction that my body has learned to do because of not feeling safe, but it's for so many reasons throughout my life to be as big as I am. Wow. Which is so fascinating. Um, and, you know, I mean, there are psychologists now that are going more into holistic psychology, which I'm obsessed with now, and I love that, that, that talk about this very thing where your physiolog- physiologically, like, learned behaviors kind of come up as a, you know, as a reaction to being uncomfortable or being, like, somewhere where you have learned to feel, like, not safe, quote-unquote. So it's, like, I had a huge aha moment in that, in that moment where I was like, oh my God, I'm doing that thing again where like, I'm afraid of being too much for someone. So I just like, I like shut down, you know, like the feelings. And so given myself recently more permission to just be as big as I am. And if someone can't handle it, then that says something that about them and where they're at, what the, you know, and it's not about me. And I feel it's really liberating to really just like, unapologetically for the first time, really like start to show up a hundred percent turned on. I love that. Yeah, me too. Which I hope to encourage more people to do. Yeah. So I have something I want to bring in and getting nudged to bring it in. So yesterday I was with one of my mentors and Uh, We did an exercise and I was having this, I've been working with my inner child for six weeks, which every day for six weeks was really intense. And my Mm -hmm. infant self felt the energy of betrayal uh, because I was in traction at six months. I was born with a dislocated hip and I was in traction at six months. And so I felt betrayed by my body. I felt betrayed by my parents. I felt betrayed by source energy. Mm. And she said, okay, I want you to go into that feeling. And I sat with it and I had terror. I felt terror. Mm. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because 
we think we're taught to believe that we don't remember anything when we're little. My cells remember the fear I had, and I had to sit with that fear because, and it, it, you're right, it was only 90 seconds, mm -hmm. but that 90 seconds was painful because I was pulling something out that is from 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's that much more important to be aware of my emotions currently because I can catch, they don't hurt as much. Like if I, if I, well, that's not true. Let me rephrase that. If I become aware of a behavior and I can sit with it and determine if it's something from my childhood or if it's a karmic thing, Usually the karmic thing is more, more easy to release than the inner child stuff because the inner child really wants love. Like one of the things in my healing of that incident was I had to tell my little, my infant self, who is still with me uh, because they're with all of us, that I would, I would check in with her every day. Just check in with her every day and make sure she feels okay and safe and loved. And the healing that came from that because i'm paying attention to my little one which is people people don't know how to do that or they don't understand how that how important it is because we're told that when we're kids it's it, we don't remember or it's not important but that's the critical phase where we pick up so much stuff yep yeah there's a lot that gets absorbed in those first few years you know, a lot of beliefs start there. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we, if we, if we just witness our inner child, you know, and sit with her for a minute or him, it's, you're, it's healing because all they want is to be seen and witnessed. Mm -hmm. That's all they want. And to be heard, right? Mm -hmm. Just kind of like how we are now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's yeah, it's, you're right. It's not something that's super commonly like practiced or known. And there are more people that I know that are doing that kind of work, which is so great. All of it's encompassed in shadow work, and what I really am, a, you know, obsessed with. Why I say that I'm here to shine a light in the shadows is because like. If we're going to expand, if you're going to find your voice, if you're going to tap into your soul self, shadow work has to happen. And what that means is like looking at the dark, ugly stuff of like your past, of your current situations, like feeling the shadow feelings, which would be like anger and sadness and shame and all those, you know, I guess lower vibrational feelings, but they are there for a reason. They're there to teach you something and they're there to show you something. And I feel the same way about anxiety. It's like this epidemic of everyone's got anxiety and depression, you know? And I mean, that's a blanket statement, but like everyone's either, like there's so many people suffering from it and are medicated for it and we're avoiding it like the plague when really what I have learned personally and my beliefs on anxiety and depression based on my own research and my own trainings is that anxiety is the body's way of telling you something is needing your attention and it's not getting it. Mm -hmm. So when you have a stack of bills that just keep piling up that you haven't looked at, you haven't opened them, they're just sitting on the counter and 
you know, you look at them sometimes and what do you feel when you look at that unfinished business that's not being looked at? You feel this anxiety like, oh God, like, ugh, I don't want to deal with it. And the body does the same thing with other things like this trauma you never fully like dived into and, you know, kind of picked apart and this, this, uh, anger, you never really felt fully towards your father or your best friend who, you know, wronged you or whatever it is. The body is like, dude, something, (laughs) something, something, something. I don't know what it is, but it's something like hurry, you know? And, um, that's that if we just more often, I'm convinced of this in every cell of my being, kind of felt our feelings fully and, and took the time to really get curious about our, our selves and like our reactions to things and um, the things that have happened to us in life. And if we meditated and kind of took ourselves back to those times when we were ch- children and like focus on that inner child more, if we did that work mm-hmm. more collectively, we would see a decrease in, in the anxiety crisis. Oh yeah. Because what's happening is like in our culture, especially Westernized cultures, we don't really like, it's not really encouraged, you know, it's not like part of our culture to do that. So our, our society is based on like socioeconomic gain and more just like that, like egocentric sort of mentality of like, what can I get? And like, what ladder can I climb? And like, you know, how much money and stuff can I get? And all that stuff. And versus, you know, a culture in which we really emphasize the importance of self, you know, mastery and self-discovery and the curiosity of our psyches and our bodies and all that stuff. And so as a result of being like, no, don't go there, you know, like, you know, oh, she's angry, she's crazy, or she's a bitch or whatever. And so we learned how to like, just turn that off. We have this thousands, millions of people who are just like anxious out of seemingly nowhere. I had a friend recently just had a panic attack out of nowhere, seemingly nowhere. She was having a pleasant day, having a pleasant conversation with someone and then bam, panic attack. It's like the body is trying to tell us something. It's not, something is not being done that needs to be done. Something's not being looked at that needs to be looked at. And depression is the same way. Like your body is like, I'm not happy. This, you know, and so if we took the time to really pay attention and teach our children how to intuitively eat and intuitively, intuitively move your body mm-hmm. and to use their imagination and to um, really feel like the number one important thing is to care for your soul and to follow your soul's path. And by doing that, do shadow work and dive into yourself and really look at like these feelings as teachers instead of like something's wrong with you, mm-hmm. like you, you need to be fixed, then I mean, we would, I mean, we would just live in a completely different world and we wouldn't have this crazy crisis of like anxiety. It's like a plague. It's like, and I started to see that and more like the more work I was doing on myself and really discovering my own voice and investing in myself by doing the courses I'm taking and all this stuff. I started to see more, of course, like the brokenness that's happening, like the, in our system and in our way that like our culture is designed. And, um, I'm, I'm sure, like, I don't need to be a psychologist to know that anxiety is directly tied to the disregard for diving into your emotions and, and figuring out like your actual soul purpose. And, you know, your soul is crying out to be, to be looked at and to be heard. Mm -hmm. And so the body is reacting, you know? 
because right. these things are not separate. No. So, and we're learning that more and more um, psychologists are talking about it and using like holistic approach to psychology, which is so wonderful. And I'm very excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still, you know, work to be done and lights to be shine on, on, uh, shown, shined on those kinds of things. And so I, I just feel like in my purpose is, is still unfolding, but I know that um, the voice is a really powerful tool to f- really figure out where we're stuck quote unquote stuck. Oh yeah. Because I mean, you know, since we've both done voiceovers, one of the things they tell you is not to take it personally if you don't get the job. Mm -hmm. Of course you're going to take it personally. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because your voice is an expression of your soul. Absolutely. And I think that's probably why you come across all these people that are terrified is Mm -hmm. because, oh my gosh, there is not like, if somebody says my voice sucks, that hurts. Yeah. Well, and the amount of times that happens is not okay too. Like I, I can't tell you how many students I've seen that have the story of like, they were told that they don't have a good voice or, you know, there are people who are like terrified of being heard because of being, you know, even teachers like telling students, like you shouldn't sing because to me, that's not a thing. Like everyone has a singing voice and this whole idea that like, you know, the tone deaf thing, like it's very rare actually that someone is truly tone deaf and it can be learned. Sometimes you're born with just like this innate ability to be able to match pitch and that's awesome. But and other people have to work more hard at it, but it's like I are harder at it. But I mean, I wasn't born being a mathematician. I'm not one of those students that just like went to school and got straight A's without even really trying. I, if I'm going to like take a science class or take a math class, I had to really like work because my brain just like was not absorbing it as easily as some other people and the same with music so and singing and using the voice it's not as like natural for some people right away but it's not that it can't be done and so and what's funny why I know that this world is like really craving somewhere in them to be heard and seen is that almost all my students aren't like performers most of them are just people who like I don't know I just yeah I just wanted to sing And I was like, I love that because the soul is like, let's try this. Like I want, you know, it's crying to be let out and through the voice it goes. So a beautiful memory for me. My dad loved singing. He couldn't carry a tune. (laughs) And so at Christmas we'd be in church and he'd sing. Oh my gosh. I haven't been in church a long time, but. And like that was how he sang because he couldn't carry the the minor changes. Yeah, sure. In that one stanza. Yeah, it's a tough song. (laughs) And 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 he'd be singing so loud. I mean, he was joyful, and it was so beautiful to experience the joy, and so painful to sing. I love that. That's awesome. I mean, you know, it's not about if, if it's like performing and being a, a singer or whatever is not your vocation. It's not about using your voice. It's not about sounding a certain way. It's about like, it's about that unapologetic willingness to unleash your, your, your voice, which is totally a part of your soul. Yeah. It's, a magical thing. And, you know, I do sound healing as part of my offerings because I was 
basically initiated into that by Shafali, who we both are friends with. Um, she's amazing. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I once did, I, I've several times done sound healing with her and she basically trained me into um, doing that. And so now I offer it for others because of the power of sound and its ability to shake up energy in your body. It's really powerful. So I'm doing uh, my second round of group sound healing on the 30th of this month, June 30th. Please. Yeah, at 11 in the morning. I'm excited. So we do it via Zoom so people can be anywhere. And um, I lead everyone in activating each of the main seven chakras by sound, bija mantras. And we kind of digest it afterwards together because things come up for people every time. Mm -hmm. So I've had people incredible, with incredible fear come up, incredible anger come up. That was, yeah, really intense. Um, a lot of the time it's sadness and tears flow. But as Shefali always says, tears are just blocked energy. So mm -hmm. let them out. So it's really powerful and I'm really excited to do that. So the first round we did was really awesome and everyone had their own experience and that awesome. so cool. Yeah. So it's, that's happening June 30th and I'm really, really excited about that. How can people find out about that? On my social media pages. So it's either facebook.com slash Megan 2927 or instagram.com slash Megan 2927 and Moreau is M-O-R-E-A-U. And so, yeah, I'll post about it there and it's kind of a, it's just a low key kind of offering. It's nothing like crazy. It's only $44. It's like 90 minutes of that connection and sound healing and super awesome. So I'm very, very excited about that. Yeah, Cause I did that with you once and it was pretty powerful and that was just the two of us. So I can imagine a group healing would be magnified. Yeah. I've done it in person too with like 10 people and that was really intense. Yeah, yeah, really, really intense. So I definitely have to be careful to protect my own energy during that time. Um, it's also, yeah, I remember when you and I were doing it, you're so open and you have such a joyful spirit. So like it was very, doing it with you was super powerful. It's obviously more helpful if people are more open and it gets to be a little harder at first. You have to do maybe a few rounds before you really get much because there is just like this strong desire to like, keep a cap on ourselves. So, you know, it'll do something, but it's definitely, everyone has a different experience. So with you though, I remember like your soul literally came out and touched mine for a minute and we both felt mm -hmm. it and it was like really intense. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And then that's never happened to me before. So it's, it depends on the person and where they're at right now. I just trust that like whatever they need out of it is going to happen. So I kind of leave it up to spirit, you know? Mm. That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. So. Tell me how people can find out more about you. Right now I've got this website that has um, one of my offerings on it that, um, I mean, making a, a general website is still in the works, but this one is, I'm really proud of it. It's so beautiful. And I got help from a beautiful woman named Stephanie Cavey to help me put it together. She's awesome. But I unleashed my first digital course this year. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. It was, uh, well, it's been a wild journey. Uh, it was like a year in the making and it's called get your soul together because I started again from teaching voice. I started to realize like there's, I had yet to see any sort of like really gentle introductory thing into this kind of way of living and looking at yourself. A lot of it's really like wooey. And for a lot of people that's a turnoff because they're not there yet. So I'm like, what can I do to make this more like accessible? Cause I want, what I want is for more people to be thinking and feeling this way yeah, yeah. Um, and be in communion with their soul self. So. I created Get Your Soul Together. I feel like I, I really, I just channeled it really. 
And so the website for it is megan-moreau.mykajabi.com slash get your soul together with dashes in between. Get your soul together, dashes in between that. So that's where people can see Get Your Soul Together. It's such a beautiful course because it's not super long. It's only eight weeks. Of course, it's go at your own pace, really, because it's a digital course. You can do it as fast or as slow as you feel called to. So that's what's nice about it. I designed it to be eight weeks over, like two weeks to kind of marinate in each module. The first module is the mind. So getting clear with that, really easy, like gratitude practice, meditation practice, like like, starting to notice your thoughts and things like that. Module two is body. And what I really kind of emphasize is just like intuitively trusting that you know what your body wants to eat, what you know your body wants to do to move and exercise and how often honoring your cyclicality as as a woman, um, you with a female body, you are a cyclical being. And again, that's not super encouraged. And when I was in health and fitness, it was always like, push, 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 go, 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 no excuses. Like what I realized is that that's actually kind of damaging because actually it's really damaging because as a woman, especially like every day is different. Every week is especially different in that we're at a different point in our cycle. And so it's really important to start to pay attention to that and honor it. And thus learning how to honor that in like the world and like the cycles of life and the cycles of, of nature and the seasons and all that stuff. And they all have different energetic like properties in terms of like what you need to be doing at this time and what feels right. So starting to really get present in your body taking care of yourself, sleeping enough, all that stuff. The third module is spirit. And I designed it in a way to be like really easy for people to kind of design that in their own way. So whatever spirit means to you, God, goddess, you know, whatever you want to call the great mystery and whatever you want to do in order to like honor your connection with spirit, but it's imperative. If you're going to have a soul path, if you're going to be on the soul path and have a connection with your soul self, you have a connection to spirit in whatever way that works for you in whatever like terminology you want to use doesn't matter if it resonates with you great so but implementing that connection and really honoring nature and connecting to it has to happen mm-hmm. and so that's module 3 module 4 is soul so it brings it all home and kind of teaches you to listen to your soul self and it's an, basically an introductory module course in shadow work so it's only to get people started. Yeah, it's only to get you started, but it's it's really, 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 it's pretty gentle. So it's not like you're diving right into like this crazy intense stuff. It, it's going to bring stuff up and it's going to cause you to expand, but it's just like kind of that first little, okay, I'm ready. You know what I mean? Right. So that's on that website and enrollment's closed, but of course, like it's a digital course. So you can kind of you know, if you feel ready for it and people reach out to me, like you can, you can purchase the course. So that's there. And then my social media is where I'm really present. So my Instagram, like I said, Instagram.com slash Megan Moreau 2927, which is the angel number for the voice. (laughs) And um, same with my Facebook. So that's where I'm at. And people reach out to me on there right now. And that's where I do a lot of sharing my, my, my little wisdom nuggets and my free trainings and workshops are on there. And yeah. Mm. Oh, honey, thank you so much. Yeah, Erica, thanks for having me. I'm so grateful. I am too. So the action item of the week is to tune into your body. It can be with what you eat, your emotions, how you feel after you watch or read something. No judging. Just tune in. Do this for a week. Just pick one thing.
pay attention to what your body is doing. That's it. Until next week, I bid you the highest peace, love, and true prosperity. Namaste. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.